Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, our, our Lord and Savior taught us, blessed are those who suffer for righteousness. Now, perhaps you and I have, have in our minds, uh, you know, someone that, that gives their life to go to the mission field and, and, and there they are laboring for the Lord and they're undergoing hardships and, and uh, trials, trying to promote the gospel even in countries where, you know, it's not really wanted or uh, appreciated. We read about some of the great missionaries of old that spent 20 or, or 30 years and they only gained maybe a, a, a dozen, two dozen converts in the course of that time. And, and, and we think, yeah, that, that's probably it. Blessed are those who suffer for righteousness. Sometimes how I think about it. But dear friends, you and I are called even to that kind of suffering. And for some reason, it, it just really struck me this week. You know, you, you and I, we try to live our lives by the Bible. You and I, we, we try to live our lives by that word of God. And has it ever come to you that you did the right thing and suffered for it. It happens sometimes, doesn't it? When we begin to apply the principles of God's word, such as putting others first, and we do it in the context of the society that we live on, it seems that we might get trampled, doesn't it? You know, the, the pastor comes out and, you know, he gives a, the, that great sermon. He, he's talking about, you know, putting other people first. And, and you know, in, in our family, I've told you in, in the past, you know, we, we had a, a special book. It was called From Iville to Youville. And it was a, the story, and in the story that this, you know, main character, he lives in Iville. And of course, you know, Iville is where everybody thinks about themselves first, right? And so, you know, there he is going about his life and he doesn't really have any close friends because everybody around him also is thinking about themselves first. But then a visitor comes from a, a foreign community, the person coming from Uville, from where they put other people first. And of course, the, the person from Iville really appreciates that person from Uville because he's thinking about himself all the time and she's thinking about him, you know. She's trying to put him first and he's trying to put himself first. And hey, this is really great. Having a friend like this. But then he, he goes to visit Uville where all the people in that community are, are thinking about others and it begins to change him. And, you know, during the course of the story, his heart begins to change and he starts to think about other people. And eventually, uh, you know, he goes back home and he's persecuted for his new ideas. 
And he's struggling and, and he's having difficulties, but he's able to lead some of the people from Iville to Uville. And of course, you know, it's kind of a kid's story and they all live happily ever after. You know, we're so happy. And it is a biblical teaching, isn't it? But have you tried it in your life? You see, you begin to try to apply God's principles in your everyday life, and often it does lead to suffering, doesn't it? Because you're trying to put other people first. You're trying to do what God says is the the right thing. You're trying to live by your Christian principles. And, you know, what happens? Maybe it didn't work out. You might raise your hand and you say, well, well, Pastor, what happens when I try to live by God's word and, and it doesn't work out? Well, the, the kind of hard answer is you know, live by God's word anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't like that so much. Maybe as parents, honestly, maybe we don't like that so much. You know, my son Scott was able to grow up here among you, and you know that Scott really loved to play football. And in Scott's ninth grade year, he had a good friend, and they kind of you know competed for the same position, but it was a healthy competition. And so one would go on the field, and he'd make a big play, and then he'd be coming off the field, and he'd say to the other one, okay, top that. And so then the other one would go on the field, and he'd make a little bit bigger play. And he'd say, okay, top that one. See, ninth grade was a fantastic year. From playing football. Tenth grade, again, they're able to do that, that same kind of thing. And, and his tenth grade year, again, you know, having a, a, a great year. But he, he came to his junior year and, and, and he had one of the, the starting positions and, and his friend was just kind of on the bench. He hadn't lost ability, he hadn't lost skill. I, I don't know what the situation was. But that other guy, he's sitting on the bench. And my son, Scott, he went to the head coach and he said, you know what, my, my, my friend is really struggling and it'd be really great if you played him. See? Because Scott was thinking about all the sermons I gave about how you know you look out for other people and, and you know put others first and, and you know do do this stuff and and so he he took it upon himself to go and meet with the coach and say there's this, this other player and he's really good and, and he's sitting on the bench and, and you know can he do something? And, and my son, Scott, he came home from that meeting. He said, hey, you know, the coach said, yeah, he's going to do something. He's going to play him in the next game. And the next game came around. And that young man still didn't play. And my son, Scott, he went to meet with the head coach again. And, and he was kind of upset. He said, coach, you promised me. And maybe you say, oh, well, he, he should have known better. He should have never went to meet with the head coach. He should have never called the head coach on his word. He, he should have, you know, not known better. But he didn't. You, you know what happens after that. You know, 
all of a sudden he was in the doghouse. Because he went to meet with the coach and, and he called him out on his word. See? Coach was upset. This guy's senior year, all of a sudden he wasn't playing. The other guy, he was a star. See? Now, it's from the word of God, you know, my, my son Scott, he, he did the right thing. Right? He followed his conscience. Right? He, he observed a, a situation. He, he did the, the best of his ability to promote someone who could potentially take his position. He did that. From I will to you will. But I got to tell you, folks, among the things that have happened in my life, that is probably one of the most painful as a parent. To see my son, who is strong and, and fast and loved to play a football, not getting to do things his senior year. I was really looking forward to that senior year. And yet, that word of God comes back, doesn't it? Help your neighbor. Put other people first. Look out for the needs of those around you. Sometimes, maybe it means your competitor takes your spot because you spent time helping to develop them. Sometimes maybe it, it means that you are replaced because you went to the boss and you said, hey, this other person is really good. You should look at them. And when you said that, maybe the boss looked at, at them and, and said, hey, yeah, they are better than you. You're fired. Yeah. Sometimes it means that we suffer because we did some simple thing that was the right thing. Some struggling, some problems. You know, I happened to, to catch a, a, a little clip on uh, the news uh, this week. It was a, a, a father that was extremely uh, upset, and, and you know, he's talking with a, a person in leadership in our government. And it, it, it doesn't really matter for my sermon today whether you, you think that student loan forgiveness is, is really great or you think it, it, it's really terrible. But this particular man, he was talking to the, this uh, leader, this uh, government position, and, and he was saying, you know, I worked two jobs to put my daughter through college. I worked two full-time jobs in order to get enough money together so she could go. And now you, you just are going to forgive the debt of other people that, you know, just kind of didn't care. Now, I, I think maybe we can understand where, where he's coming from, at least, can't we? 
No, he's saying, I, I did the responsible thing. I worked to the best of my ability. I, I tried my hardest. And, and where is my reward? You see. Because all of her education is paid for. Her, her dad worked really hard. Right? He's trying to be responsible. He's trying to do the right thing. And you know, he, he's not getting money back. It's only people that have debt that are having their debt forgiven. So he, he's upset. Again, dear friends, you know, we can go to the word of God, can't we? We can see that the Lord tells us to be financially responsible. Yeah, we, we can go buy, buy books and we can go to courses about how to manage your money in a Christian way. And we can find these principles and, and we can begin to apply them. And we could work two jobs even to put a child through college only to find at the end of the day, you know, everyone's debt was forgiven. Now, if you had a, a son or daughter that excelled in academics and they got a scholarship, if it was an academic scholarship, if it was a sports scholarship, right? All of a sudden, none of that really matters because they could have done nothing and still be in the same place they are right now, you see? And maybe you're feeling a little bit bad about that. They're saying, you know, it, it, it just really doesn't seem all that fair. I tried to follow God's word. I encouraged my son or daughter to have dominion over their academic studies, you know, to have dominion over the sport that they play. I encouraged them to always do their best and to follow God's principles, and now they're just kind of in the, the same place as everybody else. Why did we try? Why did we work? You know, why, why did I drive them to, to Little Falls at six in the morning for sports practice? You know, why did I spend the gas? You and I can have these kinds of frustrations as well, can't we? We did our best. We tried our hardest. And what was the result? It, it didn't seem that favorable. It didn't seem to, to really work out. And, and of course, why is that? It's because we live in Iville, don't we? You know, come here and you're able to think about other people and hopefully from time to time, the pastor gives a, a sermon to remind you, you know, to, to put other people first. But then you go back into the world and, and what's happening out there? Everybody else is in Iville. Everybody else is thinking about themselves. Maybe you, you say, you know, there, there was a, a time pastor and I, I just, I tried to apply God's word. I just felt like a rug. Everybody was just stepping on me. Uh, trying to put the needs of, of other people first and I, I just got walked on. And I, I didn't think it, it really worked. 
And so you run into people, don't you? And they come in and they say to you, you, you know, I, I tried God's way, but then I, I had to stand up for myself. Because that's how we feel in the world, don't we? It's hard. It's difficult. And, and dear friends, that is though what it really means to suffer as a Christian. It's not that we went off to the missionary world. It's not that we were, you know, out there, you know, building some hospital in the, the back world, third place country of whatever. And we gave our life for that. But rather, it's that you and I, every single day, are risking some kind of suffering in our lives by putting other people first. That's the hard part, isn't it? To be able to look at the needs of someone else, to be able to put the needs of another person above yourself. Now, you know, maybe as parents, you know, we at least had a, a little bit of taste of that, right? Because maybe as a, a parent, at least, you're able to look at your son or daughter and say, you know what, I'm going to put their needs above my own. And, and that's really kind of what it is to be a parent, isn't it? You're looking out for your son or daughter, you're kind of looking out for, for their needs, you're, you know, kind of able to do that. But can you do it for... A stranger. Oh, that's a little bit harder, isn't it? Can you do it for a person you don't really know that well? Oh, that's tough. But dear friends, that is what our Lord and Savior called us to do. To put other people first to place other people's needs above our own. And yes, even to be content. This is kind of a hard sermon today, isn't it? These are a, a lot of the concepts that each of us maybe struggles with every day. Because the Lord, he came and he said, be content with what you have. And you and I, we grew up in a society where, you know, we always wanted more, didn't we? You want to be out there doing more. See? And, and, and you, you want to have more. And, and, and you got to have the, the newest truck. And you got to have that new TV. And your new TV had to be 4K. And, and now it has to be uh, whatever the newest thing is. And, and you got to have the stuff. And, and you got to have more and, and, and you got to pursue your dreams. Well, that's the big one, isn't it? Any TV show, any movie that you go to, they, there's someone, oh, they have their dream and they got to pursue their, their dream. And, and, you know, maybe their, their dream is uh, to leave their old dud of a husband behind and go find somebody new. Maybe that's the dream in the movie and I got to pursue my dream. Let's see? Gotta have more. 
And our Lord speaks to that issue and he says, I want you to be content with what you have. Huh? Be content. That means I, I wake up in the morning and, and I'm grateful for the things that I have. Instead of waking up in the morning and saying, oh, if I could just get that job. If I, I can just, you know, get chase that dream. If I can just, you know, get to that place where, where I have the, the thing that I want. No, I wake up in the morning and, and say, I have things pretty good. Can we say that? The Lord is taking care of me. Can we say that? The Lord has given me everything I need. Uh, the Lord has so clothed the lilies of the field with the, you know, with the beautiful flowers in the field, and so he will clothe me. The Lord knows that the little birds need something to eat every day, and so he provides for me. I have the things that I need. And when I have the things I need, then I start looking out for other people. And that's where our Lord wants us to be. And that's how he wants us to live. And of course, he, he's the ultimate model of that, isn't he? In that he gave his life for us. Because really, there's no greater sacrifice that, that you can make, is there? You know, think about in, in those terms, you know, from the perspective of our world, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, right? The, the one that God spoke and through him all things were made. That fella, he came down from heaven. He humbled himself. He was born as a tiny little baby that was helpless and needed care. He grew up in the same way that you and I did. He, he suffered pain and, and anguish and, and hunger and thirst the very same way that we do. And he went to the cross. He says at the very end that he could summon legions of angels to rescue him. And he didn't. He suffered death. Terrible, agonizing, torturous death upon a cross. People spit on him and mocked him and ridiculed him at the end. He went through those experiences. He is betrayed by one of the closest men in his company, one of the 12. And then he died. He did that to put us first. He did that out of his great love and concern for us. And then he asks, will you go? Will you go into this evil, sinful world surrounded by people who think only of themselves? And will you give? And will you think about others? And will you be the one to answer the call? To take your place in this darkened world and share that 
kind of love. Amen. Oh, may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.